This is David McCall, host of the QTS Experience Podcast. I've become enamored of the science of gratitude, of joy, thankfulness. Are these different expressions of the same thing? Is this something that can be logically cultivated, or is it primarily emotional-based? On my quest, I came across a book called The Thank You Note Project, written by Nancy Davis Coe. The book's well-written, it's easy to read, has many compelling stories, it's full of great humor. It also has practical advice on how you might accomplish a project like this yourself. What I didn't expect was the science. This book is full of peer-reviewed science that helps you and I to understand what happens within us and why it should matter when we express and receive gratitude. I loved the book and I really loved the science. This week, you and I get a treat. Nancy joins me and gives us a great overview of the project and the subject, the science and research behind it. So please enjoy my conversation with author, podcaster, and now friend, Nancy Davis Coe. The most valuable commodity on earth today is data, how we make it, use it, move it, and protect it. My name's David McCall. Join me today for the QTS Experience. Right. Um, so you're a pro at podcasts. Uh, so has a podcast been so cool in particular for me anyway, as a public speaker, when the pandemic hit, it allowed us to pivot so quickly and in a surprising way, well, probably maybe not quite half, about half of our guests are somewhere either in the DC or Atlanta area where I have studios. The other half, it's opened up this whole world to us um, of people that are willing to hop in, whether it's Zoom or whatever, and have a conversation. And it's uh, it's been pretty cool. I love it. I have to say, I, podcasting was one of the best leaps of faith I ever took. Hmm. And after five years, so I had I uh, had a blog called Midlife Mixtape, and I decided that I wanted that to evolve into conversations with people who were in midlife and enjoying it. That was really the whole reason I wanted to start the show was, you know, you hear so much about midlife crisis and people having a terrible time going through it. And of course there are difficult times, but I also looked around me and saw people doing really interesting pivots and trying new things and being more confident. So I started the show, uh, Midlife Mixtape, for the years between being hip and breaking one. <laughs> and I would just invite all different kinds of people to come on and tell me what they loved about being in midlife. And we always started with a number one question. Every episode, I'm going to ask you, David, Sure. what was your first concert and what were the circumstances? My very first concert, gosh, I, can I just say the first one? Because um, I don't know. My parents uh, were grew up in the San Francisco Bay Area, but they were kind of conservative hippies. So it's this weird. Back then, you didn't get in trouble for saying that. Uh, very <laughs> California, very cool. It, it means a lot different now. So, But then they drug us to all kinds of stuff. But the first one that I purposefully bought a ticket to that I remember was, of course, Bow Wow Wow. And it was my first concert. Yeah, about I've wow, never wow. met it. Six Flags Magic Mountain, where a 17 or 18 year old Annabella was up on stage. I thought I was going to lose my mind. Now, probably my first show, I don't know if it was concert, I ended up completely accidentally singing Oingo Boingo um, at Riss Miller's, which I wish I could make that story to say I was more purposeful. <laughs> but. Uh, and then I missed an opportunity, I forget what year it was, to see them. They were, they were I don't know if they were the ha house band at this place called Riss Miller's in L.A., but they played there regularly. And I had enough money for either Chicken McNuggets or some horrible food on the way home or cover charge. But nothing once I get in. I can't remember the details. And at 18 years old, I wasn't thick like I am now. I thought, man, I'd be, I, need, I need the food. So we just hang out in the parking lot. And evidently, it was this epic battle of the bands. A local L.A. rock band lost to a Bay Area band, as, as I understand, remember the story. Um, and the local L.A. band that lost, that were kind of obnoxious, was this band called Motley Crue, who went on to do <laughs> big things. But the band they lost to that none of us could understand was this guy named Huey Lewis something or other. <laughs> From the Bay Area is so funny, you know. At the t at the time, I just wanted to save enough money to get my T-shirt from Flips of Hollywood or 
<laughs> go to and see and your nuggets. And my nuggets, you know, or go see Journey on their escape tour. How stupid is that? I wouldn't but do that. But that is so crazy that you and I both saw because I was the same age as Annabelle Lewin when she was on stage, wow. and she was a lot cooler than me. Oh, I was. Geez. I think it was a few years earlier because I think we were both fifteen at the yeah. time. So yeah, it's the it's the best conversation starter. I love it, and. um, <laughs> Anyway, after five years of these conversations, I decided last December, I think the pandemic had taken its toll on, you know, the toll it took on me was pretty big. And uh, so I just decided it was time to sunset it and go out on top. I felt like I'd had the conversations I wanted to have and I felt really good about the choice, but I miss it a lot. I, I, I don't regret it, but I just loved this exactly this 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 ability to connect with people all over the world all over the country and talk about whatever the topic is and share that i was always really proud when listeners said that they felt that they were sitting in on a conversation that they were a participant as well and that was always the vibe i went for so um yeah we're like we're bonded in our bow wow wow experience uh yeah it was so pretty cool you know, I do like that you gave the one-two story. At least half of my guests did that. Well, my first concert was Barry yeah. Manilow, but the first, the second yeah. one, I where I bought with my own money, and that's always an <laughs> infinitely cooler band. Yeah, it was. Uh, you know, they were all. I don't know. They were all pretty cool. But I, yeah, I look back on it now, and I'm like, man, I wish I could have talked to that kid. Go to the Us Festival. Go see Journey. What are you doing? You, the, you know, nah, they're not Clash. They're not punk rock. I can't do that. Yes, you can. Go do it, you <laughs> knucklehead. You're going to want to uh, see Journey in the 80s instead of, you know, uh, in the 2022s. Although I say go to every concert now, too. So, yeah, I still go all the time. Where our concert um, list, our live music this summer list looks like in a week or two, we're going to see Little River Band. Real two fun. weeks after that, we're going to see Styx, Ario Speedwagon and Loverboy. Two weeks after that, we're going to see Train and Jewel. Later, we see the Goo Goo Dolls. And then at the end of the summer, we see Rod Stewart. So... Man, we're just all over. I just You're burning music. it up. Yeah, yeah, I know. We I have had five concerts in the past six weeks. I'm going tomorrow night to see Lord Huron and First Aid Kit at the Greek in Berkeley because I'm trying, you know, I was indoors at venues for a little yeah. bit, but now I'm outdoors again. Yeah. And uh, and actually earlier in the month, I did the, you know, un, unimaginable. I decided not to go to a show for a con. You know, I had tickets and I was like, OK, I've gone once a week for four weeks. I think I need a week off. So. Huh. <laughs> I am, after all, in the years between being hip, but I'm closer to breaking one. So. Yeah, yeah, I know. Uh, I think we're probably swimming in the same lane there. Now, does your <laughs> husband go with you to these nope. most of the time? He really? turned 40. Nope, he turned 40. We Our first dates were all concerts, and then he was like, you know what, I can't. He's a cyclist, and he gets up early, uh, so he bowed out. But my best friend, haha, said, you know what? You should come up with, you know, you're just starting writing. You're thinking about blogging. What if you did something music based? Because then you could expense tickets and you could take me. <laughs> and that was 15 years ago. And uh, yeah, she's still, she's going with me to the concert tomorrow night. Wow. So and now and now we have a 20 we have 24 year old and a 21 year old and the older daughter lives with us, loves going to concerts and was supposed to come tomorrow night till she got a little case of the COVID oh, yesterday. No. Well. We had her two years delayed college uh, graduation right. over the weekend. No masks were being worn. A yeah. lot of steam was being blown off. So thankfully, right. it's it seems pretty mild. So yeah. Anyway, we've, we've been we're fully vaxxed, fully everything. Same. I got Same. OG COVID the first six months. We got it a year later. We got it a year later, oh, following no. every protocol we could oh. think to follow and. Thank goodness the last couple times have been the first time I think it was rougher, Nancy, because I was we were so scared. We just yeah. had no experience and um there was so much rhetoric and there's you know, so much just stuff going on. And the last two times, um it's it's you know, like nobody wants to get sick. I don't want to get sick with anything. And I don't want to I don't want my personal experience to, you know, imply what anybody else's experience were. But our whole family got uh, what they call it, uh, Flurona or whatever it oh, was gosh. over the Christmas holidays. <laughs> and we rode through it. And now we've got some friends that are going through like about three or four. And I, I just think it's for better or worse, this is going to be just sort of the norm. You'll just, you know, work through it. And yeah, well, um, I'm very I'm very glad for the vaccines and the boosters because we did, you know, we held we held it off for two years. <clears throat> and when we did get it, 
my husband and I had it in April. My daughter has it now. It's been mild. Um, so I'll, I'll just keep taking whatever boosters they give yeah. me. If this is how it feels, fine. Then this is it. Well, exactly. um, I, gosh, the conversation about mixtape, I, I, we may come back to that because I actually wrote in my notes some conversations. It's so cool in your, in your book, how you bring the mixtape theme. But I thought maybe we would start with, I'm going to introduce my, um, we're in the podcast. Are now. we recording we need, already? Do I don't Probably even know. Recording. We've been talking for 15 no, minutes. No, we're going <laughs> to, we're, this is recording. Normally we do a countdown and we kind of set it up, but you and I have talked uh, off air uh, a couple of weeks ago. So we're just going to, we're going to have some fun with it. But just so that my audience knows, a few, I don't know, gosh, two two or three months ago, I was in Miami, and I ended up, and I'm not going to go into the details, but had a conversation with a guy that was a really interesting, cool guy and his wife, and they are uh, a little bit further down their journey than me, not much, maybe four or five years, and he had this really profound experience surviving cancer and he was talking about a book he had just finished reading on gratitude and as i listened to him talk it, it for whatever reason it really caught my imagination i feel like i've had um uh, a number of experiences with gratitude i try to be that kind of person but when i listened to him surviving that conversation with your doctor that says hey we bring a family member in we need to sit down and have a yes. real conversation and um, he's one of the lucky ones that on the other side of it, while it was very, very dire, he has made it uh, through. And there's probably a whole conversation around positive mental attitude and healthy living leading up to that, and which has profoundly impacted me on how my wife and I eat and sleep and stress and whatever, we're, at least we're working on it. But anyway, it led me on this journey to really start thinking about what's the differences between gratitude and thankfulness and joy and are they the same? Are they different things? How, how do you imagine them? And can you be purposeful around them? Can I, how can I really try to practice these things? And, and, and am I doing it the way that I should or whatever? Anyway, it started me on that journey. And through that process, one of the places that I landed was on your book. Um, the thankful, um, the thank you note project. And I've, in fact, I've got the whole title, which is um, Cultivating Happiness, One Letter of Gratitude at a Time. And at first, I am ashamed to admit, I almost didn't read it. I thought, well, maybe. So I put it in my cart and it sat there for a couple of weeks. And um, I came back to it. it coincidentally, kind of in this weird, you know how the universe intervenes sometimes, but chooses to remain anonymous. You talk about that a lot in your book. Um, my, uh, one of my uh, producers, public relations person, Carter Cromley, said, hey, I found you're talking to me about this idea. I found a couple people. Here's an academic at, um, I think she's at UC Davis. Here's a couple other people, et cetera, et cetera. I'm sorry, uh, Berkeley. Here's a couple other people. And have, here's also an author, Nancy Davis Coe, in her book, The Thank You Notes Project. I was like, all right, universe, I got it. I'm taking a hint. <laughs> so um, I started reading the book, and then we reached out, and you graciously agreed to come on the show. And um, it, was, uh, it was so much more than I expected. I must say, a couple of things that I didn't expect that I loved uh, was your sense of humor. I cracked up throughout the whole thing. Because I also got the audio version of it, and I oh. listened to... So I, I got the audio version in Kindle. So it's my Kindle's going along, and I am reading about a third of the time while the audio is playing, and the rest of the time I just let the audio go. So I got your voice and your inflection and your sense of humor. One of my funniest times I noted on there was, um, I think it was Maria, the person you met at school, how you... Oh, the same other. one who makes me buy your concert tickets? That Maria? Oh, is that her? That's is the that one. Maria? Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I laughed. My uh, my middle daughter, who's 21, is um, here at school and shared a not dissimilar story. And I just chuckled and I thought, man, people across all <laughs> generations and all experiences, we have so much more in common. But anyway, that, I started reading the book and I really. Um, it was such a great impact on me, as I'm sure you've heard many, many, many times, because it was this mix of uh, anecdotal or, or your direct stories, but also anecdotal experiences that people have replied to you, 
practical advice on getting started or at least what worked in your world, uh, humor, uh, mixtapes. I found myself arguing with you a couple times, like, why would you put that song in there instead of this song, oh, which good. I loved because that would be just like a couple buddies in my 1970 Renault trying to drive from Southern California to Ojai to meet girls we barely knew who didn't even know we were coming and we're playing our mixtape on our little cassette player. It was horrific. The cure does not sound very good in that circumstance. But anyway, <laughs> so I really, I really dug it. And um, so today we're going to dive into some of those details, if you don't mind. Well, I'm so grateful to you for saying all of that because uh, it was really important to me when I wrote this book, which by the way, from the outset, you must know when I was writing the thank you letters that be eventually became my book, The Thank You Project, Right. I never intended to write a book. You know, that was not, I was just, and we can talk more about how the whole thing started, but it was not, I was never going to write a book. And when it became obvious to me for a couple of different reasons that it might be helpful for people to have a guide to follow as they embarked on something like this, my number one thing was I don't want to be preachy because I'm no expert. I'm all I want to do is share the benefit of my experience, give you some ideas of different ways you can approach it, and more than anything, just implore the the reader to take this and make it better. Take it and make it your your own. So throughout the book, I say, you know, there are no thank you note police. You can do whatever you want. You want. I this is what I did. I interviewed a few different people who had undertaken similar initiatives, so you'd have a range of examples. But I am not an expert. I would look when I got the galley copy of my book and it said they always say on the back what it's categorized as. And I'm like, right. self-help. What? <laughs> what? Like, that's nonsense. We're in trouble. Oh, my God. If you're taking self-help from me, you're really screwed. But um. I, you know, my the way I looked at the world changed for the better after I wrote my thank you letters. And if I can help other people find a way to do that for themselves in their own unique way, I feel very lucky to have had the platform that Running Press gave me with, with writing the book. As for the mixtapes that I included at the end of every chapter, that was one of my requests to the editor where she was like, um, okay, if you must. <laughs> and I finished the edits on the book well before I finished the mixes. I know you can relate to this. Yeah. And I kept going back and say, oh, can you take that one song and put it down under? And the editor finally said, no more changes to the tapes. Right. They are set. So, yeah. and, and of course I, the book went out in the world and then Lizzo released her debut album that had one of the perfect songs for one of the chapters that I'd been struggling with finding the right songs. And I'm like, oh, she'd come out with that a year earlier. We really right. would have been cooking with gas. So, She's so selfish. I'm glad you like that. I'm glad you like the mixtape element. You know what, for me, the, um, and I know we need to get to the body of it and we, we've got a hard <laughs> stop here in a little bit, but the super secret sauce that I never saw coming, there was two. I should have known better on one. I didn't see the other one coming at all. Uh, the one that I didn't see coming was there is a lot of science in this book. A from start to finish, all the way through, well documented. Here's what they wrote. Here's who's talking about it. Here's where I got my sources. Check it out. It it jives with my own personal experience, but here's the information. And so it transcends transcended for me. And I did not mean for this podcast to be a book review. But that just in sharing my experiences, I went through because I'm a data driven guy. I express myself emotionally many times, but I'm a logic driven and I want to know the facts. And especially today, I'm a little skeptical of, as you could imagine, our our world is filled with this of what what facts are you telling me and how do I validate that? And not to um, discount someone's personal experience, but is that anecdotal evidence? Is it peer review? Like, how do we do that? And I thought that was such a cool thing to do. And I was probably two thirds of the way through when I realized, wow, I'm writing down names of studies. Wow, I'm I'm following up on some of this stuff, not to fact check you, but more, I want more information mm -hmm. on that. And I thought that was fantastic. Well, again, coming back to this notion of me being a little bit surprised that I was, it turns out I have something to say about gratitude, but I, as a journalist, feel like you do. I wanted to make sure this was grounded in uh, in data, in facts, and science. And I also wanted to understand it for myself. I mean, this was a request I 
made to the editor is, can, you know, could I include the science in there? Because this is what happened. They like, we, now we can, I think, you know, kind of yeah. segue into talking about the book, but yeah. the deal was I was celebrating a landmark birthday. I was turning 50. Now it's in the rear view mirror. Yeah. And um, I decided I just wanted to do something to, I think if you get to the half century point, it's meaningful or it can be meaningful. And to me, what I, I felt like everything was going really well. My parents were alive. My kids were great. My husband, I've been married forever. I had nice friends. And I just knew that I had been the recipient of a lot of support, aid, help, love in my life. And I wanted to just take a beat and express thanks for that. Cause it felt like I was tempting the universe if I didn't, right? Mm. When things are going well for you, maybe you should stop and acknowledge that. Yeah. So I thought, okay, with the year that I turned 50, I'm going to write one letter every week to someone who has helped, shaped, or inspired me. Bupkis, that was it. That was the right. whole plan. I'm going to write that one letter every week. And that in January of that year, I sat down and wrote down the names of my family and close friends. And I got to about, and I decided I was going to do 50 letters. And I got to about 23 people. And I was like, I don't even think I know 50 people. I don't know what I'm going to do, but it'll, I'll figure it out as I go. And so of course I start the letters with my mom and dad. And, um, I realized just writing the first and second letter when it happened the second time, I was like, wait, I think I'm noticing something. I would sit down and write the letters and because I was doing one a week, I would spend all week thinking about the person who I was going to write to, because I wanted to make it one page. And I, and I typed my letters. So if you think you have lousy handwriting, you can't do this. Sorry, that uh, that obstacle does not work here because right. I, I do too. And so I just typed mine. But all week long, I would think about what's going to, what what is something I'm grateful to my mom for? What has she taught me? What is she, what example has she set for me? And unbeknownst to me, I was starting to strengthen my positive recall bias. So I was starting to make my brain function more efficiently at finding good things because I was constantly looking for good things in my relationships. And so I would get all my material together. I would write the letter and wherever my shoulders were that week, they would just drop and my jaw would unclench. And I just would feel this sense of warmth and in my chest cavity that, that actually has a scientific term, it's called elevation. And these are all measurable physiological responses to the deliberate expression of gratitude. Mm. And it was so predictable. I wrote my letters on Friday afternoons. That's how I ended my work week before I started the weekend. And every Friday afternoon, I would have this sense of like, ah, oh, you know, I'm so lucky to know this person. I have gotten, I've gained so much by having them in my life. And so I wanted to understand the science behind that. And really, it all starts with that positive recall bias, which is, you know, we're all born with positive and negative recall bias and negative recall bias is important. It tells us to get out of the way when there's a car speeding down the sidewalk. It, you know, reminds us to look both ways when we when we cross the street. But the problem is, if you are always looking for what's dangerous, what's what's bad, what could hurt me right now? you get stuck there. And unfortunately you become very good at looking for those things. And what researchers have found is that the best way to mitigate that is not to tell yourself you shouldn't look for that. You shouldn't be a negative person because that's probably just making you feel worse. What you do instead is strengthen your positive recall bias, which requires looking around. What is, what's something good in my life right now? I just met Dave and he also went to the Bow Wow Wow concert. And I'm actually pretty stoked about that. <laughs> You know, I ha can have these conversations about my book and connect with people. That's another good thing. So in the act of compiling material to write for my weekly letter, I was making my brain very efficient at finding the good around me. And you really, it's literally rewiring your neural pathways to make you look, you know, make you continue to look for those things. And the book came out just before the pandemic. It came out December, 2019. And I have felt, um, I have felt gratified because I know I have heard from readers that it was a helpful tool during the last two years when they were experienced dark, dark times. We, as we, as each of us did, you know, that you it's science. It's not me. It's science. If you stop and just take a breath and say, what are three good things right in front of me right now 
you are you are basically hitting the reset button on your parasympathetic nervous system. And, and one of the researchers at um, UC Berkeley's Greater Good Science Center, which I'm guessing is what your producer was talking about. They have a really wonderful research center down the road here in Berkeley uh, about positive psychology. One of their researchers said to me, it's like if you have a, you know, the reset button on your blow dryer or on your coffee pot, the, right. the red one. That's what gratitude is. You you stop and you hit that button and your whole nervous system settles settles down. You can center yourself. So yeah, I wanted to make sure that it was just very clear to the reader that I was not making this stuff up. And I I learned so much from it. You know, I know expressions of gratitude gives you a better quality of sleep. It lowers your blood pressure. It, you know, people with asthma can have enhanced asthma control. It's like it's measurable, it's real. We're we're meant to be working from a state of gratitude. I heard in business terms, somebody said uh, a decade ago that really stuck in my mind, which is, what are you for? Not what are hmm. you against, but what are you for? And they, very similar to what you're saying, they were not saying, you know, let's whistle past real risks. Let's whistle past. No, be, be prepared. Do the things that you can do. But in terms of your thinking and the way you're, organizing yourself. What are you for? Generally, people resonate with that more. And I've read that in so many different, you know, faith traditions or um, uh, other community groups or whatever. It, there, there is usually an element of, um, you know, give praise, give joy, recon recognize your neighbor, or wh whatever, however that manifests itself. It is, um, you know, it comes from ancient people and ancient writing to some degree, and at least in my case, I think I dismissed it. I didn't give it its full due. One of the things I liked about your book was, as especially in the beginning, I thought this was so good, the prelude and the up, before you get to the things that um, you said, because you share a lot of your letters um, during the conversation, and that was, um, say, or what was it? I wrote it see, down. See, say, say savor. And I thought, what a great, it helped to focus my attention. What did you mean by that? So just to make it clear, the book is not a collection of my thank you letters because right. who cares who I wrote to, but I do include snippets to kind of get you, get the reader thinking. And I organized it such that the first part is just about how, nuts and bolts. This is how right. it works. And then the whole rest of the book is here's some categories of the types of thank you letters or the types of people to whom you might want to write. So just so that my, my hope was that even if somebody reads the book and never picks up a pen, just reading through the categories will make them think, oh, I didn't have a piano teacher who helped me, but you know what? I had a, a gym coach who was great or, you know, what a right. gym coach, you can tell I didn't spend a lot of time on the sports pitch. <laughs> I was much more likely to write to a piano teacher, but uh, yeah. So my hope was that even just reading through and doing that kind of deliberate thinking is already doing some of the heavy lifting of rewiring your brain for more positive bias, but back to see, say, savor. I'm not that smart. So I need, I need easy things to catch on to. And I thought if I could make it three steps, it might be easier for people to replicate, but seeing it is what I talked about spending the time to really think deeply about who you're going to write to. And one of the things that I experienced was there were some people who I thought that I would write to, you know, I, I just assumed they were going to be on my list because they're, friends, mm -hmm. but, or because I, you know, know them in some way. Um, but I kept coming back to who are the people who have helped shaped and inspired me. And I try to be really true to that. And there are some really wonderful people I know who I don't think have changed the trajectory of my life. I'm lucky because I know so many nice people, not every one of them has shaped the person who I am, but the ones who have really deserve some deliberation. And so, you know, I could think about, oh, let's, let's keep picking on Maria. My, my friend who I met, my college friend who I met the first day, literally the first person I taught to at college. And one of the things I love about Maria, she's one of the few people who will stand up to me and say, you're wrong. And I, I'm a third kid. I, like I get my shots and I, I can stand right. up for myself. And Maria, also a third kid will say, no, you're off base here. And 
it isn't always comfortable to hear that, but somebody's got to play that role in your life. And I'm very grateful to her for that. She's also so close to my kids. I ne- if anything had ever happened to me before my kids were grown, I never worried that Maria would, you know, she would, she would have been there for them. And so all of these kinds of things that allowed me to become the person who I am today, I got to, I just thought about it, thought about it. And, you know, again, marinating your brain in these positive associations. And I don't know if you remember this piece of research, but there was a a study that found that people who wrote a thank you letter and delivered it in person um, to the recipient, and I did that when I could, experienced measurably higher happiness levels for a full month after they wrote the letter. So there's, if you think one letter a week sounds like too much, slow it down. You do 12 a year and you are still raising the happiness levels in your life because, and, and not just for you, but for the person receiving it. And we can talk about that too, but um, yeah. So this process of just, you know, creating a way to think deliberately every week about someone in your life who's made it, made your life better, I think is really helpful. That's the C part. The C part is writing the letters. Mm. So I get asked a lot, can I just email? Can I just call the person? And I say, of course you can do whatever you want, but let me just explain that having a physical artifact of a letter. And again, mine were not handwritten. I I did mine in Microsoft word and printed them out, but I signed them. Mm. Um, That's different in 2022 people don't communicate via snail mail very much anymore. And so to have a piece of paper that you can pull out on a bad day, something that you can tuck into your nightstand or your purse or your wallet that just says, you're awesome. And let me, let me go into some detail about why that is. Hmm. That is the most gratifying, you know, we're, there's so much sadness around us these days. You know, there's so much loss and grief how kind is it to give someone a piece of paper that just tells them they matter to you? I think there's this sense of isolation that continues even, even with some of the restrictions lifted. We're, we're all getting used to how to be with one another again. And so I really think that sharing the letter with the person is a, is a kindness. Now, having said that, nobody, there are no thank you, no police. So if you decide you want to write a letter to someone who's shaped you and you don't want to send it, that's totally cool too. You still get all those great physiological benefits and mental benefits that I talked about, the better sleep and the, you know, lower blood pressure, all that good stuff. Um, and there are cases where you might not want to send a letter. And, you know, I, I think when I reached that point in my list, I was past my 23. I had all of a sudden, because I kept getting, because I was getting better and better at writing these letters, all of a sudden there were people popping up in my life who I was like, you know who, what that guy deserves a letter. That woman deserves a letter. Like the obstetrician who delivered my two children, you know, safely and, and healthy births. That's huge. My life would have been very different if she wasn't so good at her job. So I wrote my, my OB letter. I, you know, the guy at the market, who's always like, don't forget, you know, Oh, well, you forgot your wallet. We'll cover you. So well, we can talk more about, about the, uh, yeah. about the letters that you don't send, but I just want, that's the say part. I really encourage you to do it. And then sh- shall I talk about saver? Sure. You want to, okay. Yeah. So saver was one of the big surprises to me because I was writing my letters in a word document. I would just, you know, new page type letter, new page type letter. And at the end of my 50 letters, I realized I kept, every time I would write a letter, I'd go back up to an earlier letter and just reread it because it made me feel good. And it just reminded me, you know, oh yeah, that was so awesome. My friend Don, who's a really great PT or, you know, my, my nephew, Daniel, who was my first nephew and just like somebody who I felt so close with. And um, so at the end of the process, I printed out all the letters and I had them bound at a copy shop and I meant to grab it. It's behind me here. This is the, the, the joy of doing this from a home office. I could actually show you. But I look at that thing all the time. There's a reason it's here in my office on top of a bunch of papers because I just will pull it out at random and just reread a letter. And just reminding yourself of all these people who have been in your life and are there for a reason, you know, the physicality of those letters, there's some heft to it. Like your team actually has some, some depth. And so 
as though I say there are no thank you note police, I do say that I will come down upon you if you don't keep a copy of every letter you write. And if you right. handwrite it, you just make a copy because I think rereading and savoring all this good stuff for yourself is a gift. I mean, I wrote my letters now seven years ago and still, you know, still looking at them all the time. Yeah, that was one of the things I wrote down here that I loved was make a copy. <clears throat> and you talk about that a few times throughout. Look, here's where I referred back to this. And here's, um, there are some letters you moved up uh, and you explain why in the book. I'll, I'll leave that to the listeners to go read for themselves. But there was a sense of urgency or there you have your reasons and you state why. A couple of things that surprised me as I listened to you talk about what you just said there, for example, Hmm, I remember, uh, I almost want to find the guy at Six Flags Magic Mountain who convinced me not to want to work at the roller coaster, but in stroller rental. Why would I want to work in stroller and locker rental? Because all the girls who blew up the balloons and sold the -the glow-in-the-dark necklaces did it in the back of the stroller rental shop instead of cleaning up vomit from the whatever it was, Texas Cyclone. He was looking out for you. He was looking looking out out for you. And... Um, and, you know, just as I began running through and my mind started um, reaching back out to me and saying, hey, remember this kid when you went to that high school your junior year, relocated from Texas back to California? How many human beings have you met, much less a 17-year-old kid that were that kind to you as my friend uh, Darren Knox who just kind of go Darren. I recently, uh, we reconnected, but how he is just such a person of high integrity at 17. And hey, I'm going to adopt this new guy in and kind of get him settled without an agenda. That's such a unusual circumstance, even with adults, much less and what, high school. And what do you think would Darren, what would Darren think if you wrote him a letter? He would be thrilled to to have yeah. that acknowledgement and maybe he's forgotten. Maybe he didn't even know it made a difference to you. What a kindness yeah. to, to, to highlight that for him. Yeah. He's, he's on the list. So it started me thinking about my list and how I would order it. I love how you give look to your point. There's no thank you, no police, but here's how you, I don't remember you saying you break it down into bite-sized chunks, but let me tell you about my journey, what I did, why I did it. And the response of other people that have communicated with me as they've gone through this uh, from a physiological perspective, just from a relationship perspective, I, I really, really dug it. One of the things, though, that I, not, not a though, as I thought about it was I know some people that I'm imagining, first of all, that impacted me. I, I want to be somebody that's worthy of a letter. I want to start changing my behavior in a way that um, other human beings might find value in having a relationship with me, not in a natural or an awkward one, but I wanna be purposeful. I wanna think about things on how I can be that kind of a person. But I also know people that um, their book would probably be pretty small. The circumstances of their life are such that it's, it's way harder than mine. I've been pretty fortunate. My parents were the cleavers. Um, you know, it was uh, pretty, a lot of personal responsibility given. Um, and I didn't know there were guardrails out there kind of protecting <laughs> me, but it wasn't, you know, they were kind of in my periphery. I didn't know. So what I imagined was absolute freedom wasn't as free as I thought, but it was cool. It allowed me to learn how to drive across the country at 18 years old to go from LA to airborne infantry and um, have a big Rand McNally map. That was it. No GPS. <laughs> didn't even know right. if the, the car would get to New, New Mexico. But anyway, I, um, I imagine some of those people, it's a little bit like uh, Facebook. I'm wondering if, if people, how you've, has anybody reached out to you about this? And what I mean by Facebook, sometimes you've got this, you know, an illusion of look at this life that people are having. And we know it's an illusion. You know, right. once you get to a certain age, you know, that's not, it's cool that they're putting their best day and their best things up there, uh, real or imagined, but that's probably not the whole story. And I'm imagining for some people as they go, as they read something like this, you know, it may be um, uh, your list may not be the same as somebody else's list because of whatever circumstances, but I still feel like there's great value in pursuing something like this. Well, I didn't know you were raised by the Cleavers because I was raised by the Cleavers. (laughs) So I acknowledge that, you know, I I was, I was very fortunate and, um, 
I do think, you know, cisgender white woman, you know, like money right. in the bank. I'm, I am right. so blessed, but the interesting thing to me is that the people on my list tended to be people I had turned to in difficult times. Mm. So, uh, and the, you know, and I, I can talk about the fact, you know, I mentioned that I wanted to start writing these letters because everything was so great that year. My dad died very suddenly that year. And that's mm-hmm. the opening of the book because I had was sitting there writing dad's eulogy under the thank you letter I had sent him six months earlier. My dad framed it because he mm-hmm. was Ward Cleaver. And uh, and I talk about how meaningful that was to know that he knew exactly what he meant to me. I didn't have to. He it was a very right. unexpected death. And so um At that point, that was when it went from being, oh, I'm counting my blessings to, oh, my God, how am I going to make it through tomorrow? Let me spend some time thinking about, you know, my sister-in-law, let's say, and how kind she's been to me through this process. Or, you know, it just that was when I realized the power of gratitude when things aren't good. Hmm. And so to your point, look, I wrote 50 letters if you want to write one letter to one person, you're, you know, that's great. Anybody can, and, and this is not a project that has a timeline or a deadline. This can just be a practice that you take with you through your life, I hope. Um, but it is really interesting that a lot of where, a lot of where I my mind would go as I was thinking about the people I was going to write to is times they helped me, mm-hmm. meaning that I had to think about times I'd screwed up, times mm-hmm. I needed help. And I talk in the book a little bit about how hard it is, I think, especially for men, especially for American men, to allow those feelings of vulnerability. And, you know, you there, there's a lot of pressure on guys to say, I can handle it. I'm fine. We're going to get right. through it. I'm, you know, I'm a tough guy. Women don't have that same kind of pressure. And I think that it shows. Yeah. Um, we're much freer to say, boy, did I screw up? And, you know, and here's how I feel about it. And so I, one of my favorite reviews that I got on the book. I know you're not supposed to read your reviews. I read yeah. every review was a guy saying, come on in the water's fine. It's really right. helpful to do this. And I thought I've just felt, you know, good that, I, that that connected for him and that he felt there was something useful there. Cause um, yeah, I mean, I, our friends and our family, hopefully the, the family we choose to write to, cause people have complicated relationships, but whether it's your maid family or the one you were born into, they've all seen us at our our worst. And to thank them for getting you through that is not to say, you don't have to dwell there. You express the thanks and move on. So, and I I don't know, I guess, I don't know why this, I think the story of Darren bubbled this up for me, but um, one of the things that happened after the book came out and I was kind of mortified is that friends of mine started writing me thank you letters. And I was like, Oh my God, you guys, that's not why like, I hope you didn't think that's what I, what, why I did it. But um, when I was a college, the end of my freshman year, all the friends, the the people who I was friends with, everybody paired off or quadded off for housing. And I lost the game of musical chairs. Mm. So I had nobody to live with. And I was, I didn't know what I was going to do. And these three girls who I barely knew, I knew them through somebody else said, you know, we've got a quad. We need an extra. Why don't you move in with us? And it was a great year because I got to know them. They're really nice girls and they knew they were completely different social circles from where I'd been. So I got to meet all these new people and I was so grateful to to them because it was like you said, like, so like what wonderful integrity to say, like, well, we're just going to fold you in. You're going to be fine. And you know, but I was always kind of embarrassed. Like I always felt like I was the taker in that relationship. Like they took pity on me. So one of the letters I got was from one of the girls in that share. And of course it being children of the sixties, the uh, born in the sixties, her name was also Nancy because everybody's name is Nancy, Lisa, or Jennifer. And one of the girls was named Jennifer. And uh, the other Nancy wrote me a letter and said, I'm so thankful that you moved in with us this that year because I had terrible taste in music and you dragged me out to see the cure and squeeze and all these shows that I would not have gone to on my own. And my taste in music is so much better. Thanks to you. And as a recipient of one of these thank you letters. Now I can tell you, I was, I was so happy that day because I was like, Oh, I did have something to offer this whole time. I've considered myself 
as being the person who needed help. And I realized now I had something to offer in that relationship as well. So it's really a beautiful thing. You know, if you can help someone reframe or, or at least hold up for them, here's, here's what you did for me. That meant so much. It's a, it's a really cool thing to do. It is. I, um, one of the things that also an unexpected gift as I'm listening to, uh, my wife and I just got recertified in scuba, um, in uh, Florida. I live in Atlanta area. So we just, the two of us loaded up, we've been married 35 years. So we're down, we're coming back and I'm, she's napping. I'm listening to the book while we're driving through a thunderstorm. So I'm really paying attention. I don't know why. And I, I, um, I got surprised by a section you're talking about forgiveness and you're talking about one of the things you talk about in these letters is sometimes the memories that come up are maybe people you don't want to write to. Maybe you want to write a letter and you want to set it aside, but it's not necessarily something you want to send. And as I thought about that, it went in a little bit different way for me, Nancy, in that I was remembered of thing, reminded of things where I was a really crappy friend or things of not criminal, but certainly shameful behavior, regrets that I had. And it just gave me an opportunity to sort of reflect on that. And I, I've got this set aside in a sort of separate bucket right now, almost starting a list of people that I may reach out to. And I, I really need to give it some thought, but to say, hey, I repent. I was, you know, it, you know, you you wish if there's going to be a negative in your life, you're the recipient of it. So later you almost have the badge of, man, I was bullied, but I got through it. Well, what if you're the bully? I wasn't a bully very many times, but I have been a bully or other things. And I'm like, oh, whether it's family or kids or whoever, I was in your story sort of parallel running with that is as my heart sort of softened, um, by this author out of Oakland, California, by way of Rochester, driving back from from this thing in Florida through a storm in the middle of Alabama on the way to Georgia. And I thought, wow, you know, what a... I just found my... I had to pause the conversation for a little bit and just let my mind kind of run in those spaces and say, all right, start this other list. Don't know what I'm going to do with it yet. But start this other list of people you feel like you need to, um, I don't know if it's as, as um, formal as restitution, that might be a little melodramatic. Well, it's, it's amends, right? Yeah. I mean, it's a big, big part of AA is, is yeah. just, you know, reaching out that way. And I think it's smart the way you're handling it. Maybe, maybe you do something with that, maybe you don't, but to let yourself acknowledge that. And I think the role the way that forgiveness and gratitude are intertwined was really surprising to me as well. I did not see that coming, but I figured out very early on that if you are um, authentically thinking about the way someone has helped you, it may bubble up exactly that kind of thought, like times that you have not been deserving of that kind of help times that you were ungrateful or, you know, and I'm guessing David, a lot of it probably had to do with youth, right? I mean, sure. hopefully we all get older, wiser, yeah. and some of this stuff, hopefully we get forgiven over time because we got older and don't keep doing that. But, right. you know, the the example I give in the book is that, I mean, so my older brother, I'm the youngest of three, <laughs> my brother was an f- imposing football player, yeah. and he and I didn't get along very well at all till he right. left for college. And so there was a day where my mom and dad were both at work. My sister was off at college and my brother and I were home and he went down in the basement of our home in Rochester, New York. And I saw my moment and I locked him in and just left. <laughs> so he was not getting out till five o'clock because why? I don't know. I saw my, he was, I could never get right. the best of him. And I remember I ran over to my friend Amy's house across the street and I could hear him yelling, get me out of here. And I was so scared, but I was so excited. And now, you know, we're in our fifties and we're very close. And I started, you know, getting ready to write his letter. And I was like, you know what I need to do? I have to apologize. I'm going to start by apologizing for that. Cause that was, I don't know. I, that was a yeah. really unkind thing to do. And so I did, I just said, I, before anything else, let me say, I should not have locked you in the basement. There was nothing to do down there. So, um, yeah, you do. And then, but then you've cleared away whatever that is and you can really fully express the gratitude. And so it doesn't surprise me at all that that started making that percolate because 
you know, again, back to the research, when somebody does something kind for us, the way it works in our brain is it's signaling to us, you're worth it. Mm -hmm. You know, you, somebody went out of their way to help you, you must be worth something. And so when you receive that, you know, that signal, you're also kind of thinking, well, am I? And so I, you know, see where that goes for you, see where that, that thought process takes you. But again, I'll, you know, I also think if we have, we've all made mistakes, we've all treated people ways that we wish we could go back and change. And so I think what matters is how you treat people now and how you treat them going forward. And I'm sure, you know, I'm sure you are someone who is worthy of lots of thank you notes, just, just in this, in the short interactions we've had. I appreciate that. I, it it was such a surprise to me to find that my brain was tracked. By the way, when you talked about it in the book, I laughed out loud. Because remember, I'm listening to you. It's like you're talking to me when you did that. And it reminded me of Steve Martin in um, whatever it was with the dozen kids and his oh, yeah. daughter. His daughter makes like meat underwear for her brother and the, or, or for Ashton Kircher and the dogs attack him. And later he says to his wife, do you see that skill? She has such a dark gift. And I went right there. I just laughed and laughed. I love that um, part. I, I, do you have a hard stop in five minutes? No, you you know what? I got, I got a couple extra minutes. minutes? Okay. Um, And because I know I jumped out a little late. Well, that's okay. I want to honor our time, but I have a couple things um, before we wrap up. First, a comment before I forget about it. One of the things, you know, when I go get a book, I also want to read the reviews. I read it, the good reviews, and I read the, um, the reviews that are less than five stars. And one of them that absolutely surprised me, and we don't have to spend any time on it, but I just, by way of people who are going to listen to this, I may even reply when I post my review. Um, they gave you one star and they said, I can't believe the political rhetoric, the anti-religion. I happen to be a person of a particular uh, religious faith. I happen to be, have, uh, I'm a libertarian conservative kind of thinker. And I started cracking up. I'm like, I don't know what book they read. This was so agnostic. I like, guess she didn't get to the point where I shared the letter I wrote my priest I, <laughs> because I, she literally, she said like, she's against organized religion. I'm like, uh, I shared the letter to father Scott. So I'm not, but I, you know but what, Dave, if, you cannot let the inner, you cannot get, I let know. the reviews get to you. You are yeah. very welcome to rebut that, but don't sweat it. There's also yeah. somebody said, I can't believe she used playlist how indulge how self-indulgent and then the next literally the next review is oh my god my favorite part was the playlist and at that point i was like okay yeah. but but yes i too i am a i am i'm a lefty episcopal I, I i belong to an activist church here in oakland i love it i think we are a people of it's a compassionate community that challenges right. each other to do better for that big for the larger community the larger world i don't know where i'd be without my faith yeah. i don't push it on anybody in the book, right. but it's hopefully clear that I am not against organized religion. The, you know, that, that the book is so, um, so full of what I thought practical advice with a lot of scientific um, notation. It's not a scientific book, but here's why I'm making this comment about forgiveness. Here's what this person is saying about gratitude that seems to correlate with my personal experience. Here's why you might not waste too much time on this or whatever, based upon my experience or whatever. I didn't get anything about who to vote for, where to, what to believe, what not to believe. I anyway. So I'm going to get. You off can of come that. if you want more of my political opinions. Come on <laughs> over to the podcast because I let them fly. But you I know what? I, I always quote my friend Janelle, who says, "I think it's cute when people think silence isn't also political." Yeah. You know, it's we're living in a challenging time, and I'm just, just yeah. trying to help. Just trying yeah. to help. Um, I was going to, can I, can I just share one quick yeah. story that I think Please. relates to this whole forgiveness conversation too? Cause it's one of the most powerful things that happened for me in writing my letters. Um, not so much the book. Cause by then, by then it had already happened, but I taught. So as I got better and better at writing the letters and I'm kind of saying, Oh, I should thank this person. I should thank that person. I, I realized, okay, I don't have to send the letters that really opens up the field for who I can feel thankful to. And it also opens up the way that I can be honest with myself about who has shaped me, who has inspired me. And so for instance, I wrote to some ex-boyfriends who 
at the time were really great. And now mm -hmm. I'm not with them. And that's, mm -hmm. uh, that's good. Right. And I don't really want to be in touch with them. But there are things that I learned from those relationships that inform the way I operate in the world today. And I want to express my gratitude for that and move on. So I wrote some letters, never sent them. They're still sitting over here in the folder. One of the people I decided to write to was a friend who I'd known since sixth grade. And we were really close friends all through high school. Um, just one of those formative people in my high school years. And after college, he cut me off. And it was really hurtful because I knew he was in touch with mutual friends. Of course, it was harder to stay in touch back then. You right. remember right. there was no internet, but right. still there were ways that I tried to reach out to him and was rebuffed. And I was so mad about that. I was really resentful for decades. Mm. And I would really, you know, I really put some energy into feeling pissed off that he had kind of ended this friendship. And so then I'm writing these letters, I'm writing these letters. And I, one day I thought, oh, I'm going to write him a letter because even though we're not friends now, I have plenty of friends now. When I needed a friend in high school, he was always there. And I, I have to acknowledge that. So I wrote him a letter and just thanked him for the role he played when we were teenagers and filed it away. Three weeks later, who reaches out to me on Facebook for the first, I'm hearing from the first time in 30 years and I was, I was like, oh my God, if I had not gone through that exercise, oh, this was the other thing thinking, you know, I was like, why would he have in writing the letter? I was thinking about the, the nature of our friendship. And it's like, you said, I was like, wow, I wasn't a very good friend to him. Mm. He, you know, he deserved better than what I gave him in terms of our friendship. And so I felt a little like, not only did I forgive him, I realized I needed to do a little work from my side. So anyway, he reaches out a few weeks later, my, my new, my aunt Noonie, who thinks she's psychic was like, I know why that happened. And, um, and now we're friends again. And he knows there's a letter. He actually right. just recently sent me a picture of his new dog and I could see my book on this bookshelf and I'm like, Oh boy. <laughs> so I guess he knows, but, um, you know, it's like a gift that I had, been able to think through that whole friendship and what it meant. And, you know, so what that he couldn't be friends with me for whatever reason, we've never, we've never right. talked about it. I don't think we ever will, but for whatever reason that wasn't comfortable for him, but it didn't matter. It didn't take away from what a good friend he was to me in high school. And now we're friends again in our fifties. And it's like one of the greatest things of my fifties and totally unexpected. I love those unexpected gifts, but I, I want to, hang out on friends for a second. There's a really interesting study you talk about where people go into this MRI and essentially get electric shock therapy. Mm -hmm. Can you, and it's tied to friendship. Can you talk about that for just a second? That was oh, I love so that unusual. Study. Yeah, that was, I found that in a book from, uh, written by Barbara Bradley Haggerty. And I wish I could remember the name of the book, but I am in midlife and I can't, but Barbara Bradley Haggerty is the author and she was a guest on my podcast. So we talked about this in depth. And so here's the test that I think it was in uh, Virginia. It was a university in Virginia. So they put uh, participants into, um, into an MRI and gave them a shock and, you know, repeated shock and, you know, measured the physiological results with that. Then they put somebody in the room with them holding their hand. And this was a stranger. So they were getting the shocks, but they were with a stranger and the response was not nearly, not as bad, but still a response. Then they did, allowed him to do it with a close friend or a relative holding hands. And at that point, there was almost no response at all. Mm -hmm. So the way she talks about it in her book, I remember she said, it's like triggering the, the, the result that you would, uh, the response you would have if you were, if you saw bear, if it was caveman right. times and you were alone and you saw a bear, you'd be screwed. If you were with somebody who you didn't know very well and you couldn't necessarily work well together, you'd, you'd be a little less screwed because maybe you were faster than that other person, right. but you'd still, but if your friend is there, right. the bear is dinner. That yeah. was how she talked about it. Like you not only have the resources and resilience to get through that, but you can now, you know, actually have a better out, really have a better outcome. And so that to me, one of the outcomes of these letters, and we do, and we, we take it for granted all the time with our close friends, right? We don't think to tell our best friends how important they are to us because they're always there, but 
guess what? You will strengthen the bond with that friend. You will remind them of what they mean to you and vice versa. And that can only strengthen those relationships in a way that makes the bear dinner more and more often. So I love that story. It, you know, I've heard some version, not, not the study, but it reminded me of, um, I've heard business leaders, I've heard uh, pastors and other people say something like this. Human beings learn in, in rows. So if you go to school or if you're at a concert or whatever, we, we learn, we get information, but we build community or we build friendships and circles. We build it when you're down at the food um, uh, kitchen helping together, even if you have different uh, whatever, some of these other things, but you're unified to help other people or help each other or uh, to, to try to um, interact with each other's lives and the value of that. It, one of the big impacts, I think, of COVID, I'm certain of COVID, that we're going to be studying over the next decade or two. It wasn't just that we went through this terrifying pandemic and what does it mean and how fast did it spread, but that we were so isolated in so many ways. I saw mm. with my even my children, um, one of whom was in high school, one was in college, and just the impact um, on them. It's, uh, it's, it's pretty profound that converse or the inverse when I don't have a friend network and the value of being a friend. For me, one of the things I thought about Nancy kind of in the self-reflection of reading the book was how, who in my acquaintances um, do I feel like is maybe vulnerable or at risk that they, maybe they don't have somebody to, that they would call upon to sit outside that MRI holding their right. hand. Um, and I'm not trying to just rush out and save the world, but how, can I, can I be sensitive to that and figure out, even if it's a little inconvenient, not necessarily trying to make them my BFF, but just how do I begin cultivating that? Because that's how I want people to treat right. me. Right. Well, one of the last guests we had on the Midlife Mixtape podcast was the Stanford researchers who had just released this new map of life. And so their theory is half of kindergartners alive today are going to live to 100, right? So our lifespans are being stretched, stretched, stretched. Why do our road marks stay the same? Why is school over at 18? Why is college over at 22? You know, we've got all this time and, you know, we should be able to do things like work for 10 years, stop for five years, work for 10, you know, because we're going to be productive longer and longer. And so it's a really interesting study. You can find it on the, it's the Stanford center for longevity and you can find the study on their website. But one of the outcomes of that study was how critical it is for healthy aging to have a community mm -hmm. and how the community plays a huge role in how you, how you are going to, how you make your health span and your lifespan match up. So we all want to be healthy till the day we drop dead. Right. But, you know, right, there's, there can be a big disconnect between your health span and your right. lifespan. And so I asked the researcher who was on the show, what have you changed as a result of compiling all of this information? And he said, I did not realize how vital it is to have that community and how, because he lived in Silicon Valley and he said, I'm, you know, it's a very work-centric place. Everybody goes to work all day long. And he said, for me, I'm prioritizing how I make connections and how I cultivate those. And so I think these letters are one tool that you can use to make sure that you are connected to all those people. And, you know, we're em theoretical empty nesters now. Our daughter's still living with us because because why not? But, uh, <laughs> uh, you know, we talk about downsizing from where we lived here in Oakland for 25 years. But to me, I know all my neighbors. Right. I got close friends in the neighborhood. I got my church community. I've got right. my, you know, and that is, you can't really put a price on that. So, and I wrote lots of those people letters. Right. That's what well, I'll say. In our trip down to um, doing our scuba thing, we, uh, well, of course, my wife says this two or three weeks ago, we we're in Turks and Caicos. She said, we should relocate here. Uh, maybe. Or wherever we go. What a cool place. We should relocate here. And I'm like, honey. I've got 20 years of friends and uh, she does too. She doesn't mean yeah. it seriously, but it's, it's this, um, man, I, I love adventure and I love meeting new people. And maybe even I worked, you know, the two of us agree to kind of increase, uh, 
um, the amount of time that we spend together as we introduce new people. You know, you say many times, and I really um, resonate with, look, sometimes just through not anything bad, but people work their ways out or, and other people work their way in. It just mm-hmm. is, uh, you know, a natural thing. But the value of that community um, where they show up no matter what, even if you canceled each other's vote, even if there's whatever, you know, don't be a, it's a corporate podcast, so I'm going to change the word to jerk. Don't be a jerk to somebody. You know, you can oh, I disagree. hope I didn't say anything that's going to no, we're go okay. foul we're of fine. it. No, we're fine. Sorry. But it's, um, Sorry, producer. <laughs> where this is pretty PG so far. I think we're tracking. <laughs> There's been a few times, my own fault, where I've gotten a little salty and he's, uh, he's had to fix it. But anyway, I, your book is so cool. I, th- I went in thinking it was about thank you notes, and that is a mechanism of it. But really, it is a, uh, for me anyway, it was reflect on the things, um, the things that have blessed you and the things that, um, and, and acknowledge that for your own personal benefit, but also to benefit those around you. And the world freaking loves it. And I'm not a uh, um, I'll just leave it at that. The world needs it, right? It, we yeah. could all benefit from that. And you don't know how many opportunities you have to codify this, to 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 express it to somebody, whether it's the case of your father. My parents are um, are advancing in age, and they're, um, you know, there's a difference between aging and decaying, depending upon your genetics and, you know, life circumstances. But it's, it's a super big deal. One of the last things um, before we wrap up that I loved was you're expanding it from what I thought was the obvious to other influencers, like your community, um, the city you grew up in, civic organizations that you might have been part of that provided, even if they weren't completely aware of it, but they provided a safe space for you to roller skate, ballet, orchestrate, whatever do your thing and um and it helped to influence you on who you are and what you are today right i mean you know once i realized i didn't have to send the letters i was like oh wait i don't have to write to people anymore so then it really went off the wheels because i was like (laughs) wow i am definitely even though i lived in oakland 25 years everybody knows i'm from rochester and my first big my first real job out of college was in munich and I aged about 35 years in the two years I spent there because it was, again, pre-internet days. I was on my own. And so I wrote to the cities that I lived in and then, you know, again, helped shaped, inspired. Well, I love going to concerts. So I wrote a thank you letter to the live music industry. I love reading Jane Austen. So I wrote a letter to Jane Austen, who sadly could not read it. Mm. And, you know, and then you start thinking, you know, anything that brings you joy, anything that gets you out of bed in the morning and you're like, oh, I get to do this today. You can write a thank you letter to that thing that you never send, but it remember, it reminds you, it documents for you why it's important, why it matters to you. And I love the idea that somebody who follows this book and writes however many letters they write, their set of letters looks different from my set of letters. David's set of letter look, looks different from that person. You know, everybody has their own super unique tribute to themselves at the end and so the last letter i i asked the the readers to write is to themselves and you know to acknowledge you've done that you've built that community you've built that set of influences into the person that you are so um yeah i hope people i hope it's helpful for people i think it will i think it's a great conversation for us to have in the space of uh gratitude and joy um i I've just started the journey myself, and I'm very grateful to you. So I'm um, looking for your letter. Thank you very much for Oh, thank you. Thanks, and thanks, everyone, for listening. I'm so appreciative to be on the show today. Oh, my great pleasure. And if you've enjoyed the conversation, please like, share, subscribe, and comment. We'll see you next time on the QTS Experience. We'll see you everybody.